As we walk to the final hole this day, you're listening to the vivid sounds of local sports. Something you can't pick up on Dayton Sports Radio. And that's a hole-in-one finish to close out this golf broadcast impersonation. Okay, so I don't have golf broadcasting in my immediate future. What I do have for you is local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. And we're talking golf and baseball up next on the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. The podcast talking local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio area sports. Listen on your favorite podcast platforms by visiting SindayPod.com. That's C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D.com. Intro theme is Overdrive by Matrika from Upbeat.io. Here's your host, Lee W. Mowen. That's right. We're talking about the greens today. The golf greens, Hunter Green, Green Dragons, Green County, Cavs and Five. Sorry, that's an old joke. But we are going to start with Wright State Golf. As this program, we talk about it once a year on this podcast because Wright State Golf is definitely on the up and up. And they have won, I believe, the last two Horizon League golf titles. So this program is definitely strong. I do have a question for the Horizon League, though. Why is the tournament being held in Howie in the Hills, Florida? Your southmost team is Northern Kentucky in Highland Heights, which is a few minutes away from downtown Cincinnati. Why are we in Florida? I, I, I don't understand. I mean, there surely has to be golf courses around the Midwest, and I know we're dealing with you know, really crappy weather. I mean, we just had our first beautiful weekend of the season, right? And it's not snowing. It's not raining or anything. So, but anyway, I digress. So as of this recording, the Raiders have already completed round one of the Horizon League tournament again in Howie in the Hills, Florida with three hyphens. Actually, yeah, three hyphens. I had to double check that. So right now, the Horizon League Championship, Wright State leading, opening round of 282 team score at the El Campion course at the Mission Inn Resort and Club. Right now sitting at six under and the team leaderboard, eight shots clear of second place Oakland at two over with Youngstown State another shot back at third place. All five Raiders are inside the top 20, Tyler Goki. In second place and in tie for third after 18 holes, Michael Matheson. Second round action will get underway. Actually, it is underway at this time recording, Monday morning at around 9.30. They started about two hours earlier with 18 holes. Raiders will begin teeing off 8.20 through 9 a.m., all playing the back nine and starting on the 10th hole. And the final round will tee off Tuesday morning. So maybe by the time you listen to this, we already know who won the Horizon League tournament in golf. But right now, as you heard, Wright State Golf, absolutely strong. I mean, you have two in the top three, and you got Wright State leading off. Let's actually look at the live scoring right now. Yeah, negative seven to par for Wright State, and negative one today. 
total shot, total of 282. Youngstown State has now jumped over Oakland, 290-289. Cleveland State and Northern Kentucky with IUPUI tied for fourth, although the Norse have simply shot up. Uh, all three of those teams, plus 12. Purdue, Fort Wayne in seventh place, plus 15. Green Bay, plus 18. Robert Morris, plus 32. And Detroit Mercy, plus 38. I will be quite honest with you. Golf is probably the sport I know the least amount, but I do know this. The higher the plus number is, that bad. The lower the number is, or the higher the negative number is, that's good. So I do know a little something about it. It's a par 72 course for 6,765 yards. Does look beautiful. Well, I don't know if that's the picture or not, but the picture on the article from WSURaiders.com does look like a nice place to play golf. Again, I do question about the fact that, hmm, this is in Florida, and your closest team to Florida is around the Cincinnati area. So right state on the year, definitely a strong campaign. I think the lowest finish is, what was that one, fifth, sixth? And a lot of them been top three finishes. We'll start going through at the Joe Figans Marshall Invitational. Wright State finished second out of 15 teams at the Earl Yestingmeyer Invitational at Ball State in Muncie, Indiana. Wright State won it. The Valpo Fall Invitational. Golf starts in the fall, takes a winter break, and then comes back in the spring. Although your spring is where you generally have your league tournaments and such. So, we're starting off in the fall. Probably should have looked at the dates before that, but details. Actually, to kick off the fall, or actually kick off the season and end the fall, Wright State won the last four tournaments they played in, which include the Ball State Earl Yestingmeyer Invitational, the Valparaiso Valpo Fall Invitational, the Georgia State Invitational down in Atlanta, Georgia, and the local one around here at the NCR Country Club, which I believe is just south of Kettering Hospital in Kettering, the Dayton Flyer Invitational. The spring part of the schedule started in Savannah, Georgia at the Savannah Intercollegiate Tournament against William & Mary. I believe they were the hosts. And Wright State finished third that Saturday and then finished fifth that Sunday. The Orlando Invitational at Howie in the Hills, Florida. That's the same place where the tournament's being held. Wright State went first. And then the Sea Palms Invitational, which I believe was held by Western Carolina at St. Simons Island, Georgia. Wright State finished second on day one, won it the next day. And Wilmington, North Carolina, the Country Club of Landfall. That's a name. That's probably one of the lowest finishes Wright State had. Six out of 14 teams at the Seahawk Intercollegiate Tournament, which let's scoop up and see if there's... Nope, just results. Let's look and see. We can see who played in that. UNC Wilmington won their own tournament. VCU Kansas. Francis Marion. That's a school I've never heard of. James Madison. There's Wright State. Richmond, Nebraska... Appalachian State, Radford, Delaware, Davidson, USC, Upstate, and Long Island U. That were the teams that were playing in that. Actually, I want to see who's on the Dayton Flyer Invitational. Because that 
tournament's been going on for quite some time. Wright State, Youngstown State, Ball State, Ohio U, Loyola Chicago, Cleveland State, Marshall, Purdue Fort Wayne, Dayton, and Bradley. It's a fairly solid mix. Wright State, the only team in the Flyer Invitational to finish under at negative four. Your second closest team was Ball State's plus 19, tied for Youngstown State's plus 18. Then Ohio, Loyola Chicago, Cleveland State Marshall, Purdue Fort Wayne, Dayton with a plus 52, and Bradley at plus 78. Okay, back to the schedule for the Raiders. Winning the Big Blue Intercollegiate Tournament in Nashville, Tennessee, the Wright State Invitational. Well, that just happened past this past weekend, and Wright State won it by finishing first out of 13 teams in Springboro. The location says Dayton, but trust me, it's in Springboro. And you can see the golf course when you drive down south or north on State Route 741. It's actually a really nice course. And I hit the wrong button again to tell you who was all in the tournament before, yes, rain and storms knocked it out. Wright State finishing plus seven. No negative finishers in this tournament. Wright State a plus seven. Valparaiso, IUPUI, Youngstown State, Ohio, Robert Morris. Xavier Butler, Chicago State, San Francis, Pennsylvania, Green Bay, Eastern Illinois, and Detroit Mercy. So that was the last thing Wright State did, winning their Wright State Invitational in a storm and rain-shortened invite. And now it's the Horizon League Championship. So definitely, Wright State golf has been on the up and up. I mean, past few years, Connor Lash is your head coach. I believe that's changed from 2020. trying to remember the ever gentleman's name. But Wright State golf... Definitely on the up and up, and when I get a chance to talk about golf, well, <laughs> I, I I have to admit I'm not knowledgeable about golf. The only thing I'm really knowledgeable about is uh, the scoring. Sand pats, sand pits are bad. Rough patches bad. Smooth grass good. And it's one of the sports that I will not watch on TV just because, yeah. I will tell you, there is a lot of local talent on this golf team. I mentioned Tyler uh, Goki. He's a junior. He's from Xenia, but he went to Carroll. You have fifth-year Bryce Haney, who graduated from Wayne and Huber Heights. You got Davis Root, who is in his last year Wright State from Dublin, Ohio. Actually went to Dublin, Jerome, so Columbus area, but still. Brock Rumke, he's a Molar Crusader from Cincinnati. He's in his sophomore year. Then you have, there was another one I missed. There's another Columbus kid, Cole Corder. He graduated from Olentangy Liberty High School in Powell. Then you got Milford. Nathan Arnold. Sorry, have to do that. Graduate student, graduated from Milford. And then you have a few, not from the area. Uh, Oscar Bartram from Nottingham, England. You have Andrew Flynn from Louisville, Kentucky. He went to St. X. But not Cincinnati St. X, because that would be a heck of a drive. But Louisville St. X. Then you also have Michael Matheson. He's in his junior year of Wright State from Esberg, excuse me, Esberg, Denmark. I believe that's how it's said. And that's your team. Connor Lash is the head coach. No assistance with him, according to the roster. Named the head coach in August 2021. So... 
before the season began. Former Raider Stewart athlete, he was an assistant coach at Wright State during the 2016-17 golf season, then again March 2020, till his promotion to head coach. With his assistant role, he helped with recruiting and tournament play. And after having the 2020 season canceled by COVID, Raiders bounced back with five top three team finishes in 10 tournaments during spring 2021 on a way to a runner-up finish in the 2021 Horizon League Championship. I thought they won it last year. That's my fault. I apologize. Lash was a student athlete at Wright State from 2012 to 2016, a team captain as a junior and senior, and a scholar athlete from 2022 and 2015. Excuse me, 2012, 2015. Don't know why I said 22. In addition to his duties at Wright State, he is also an assistant course manager at the WGC Golf Course in Xenia. He helps run the day-to-day operations of the course and also a professional caddy at one point on the LPGA Tour from 2018 to 2020. So, pedigree, definitely there. And right now, Wright State, pull up the live stats one more time before we head on to baseball. And yes, I know what your thoughts are. One part's going to be depressing, the other part, probably not. And you'd be right, because, yeah. But... And it's still holding strong. Wright State negative seven, Youngstown State plus one, Oakland plus two. And that's your top three. Wright State has yet to go, I believe. Let's look at the player lead part. In case you're wondering who's leading, it's Ken Keller of Youngstown State. He's at negative six. And his first round was a 66. That edges out Tyler uh, Goki, 67 at negative five. And Taylor Gardner of IUPUI is in third. Negative four, and he shot a 70 through six. I think he's still going. He's at negative two right now. Wright State's Michael Matheson tied for fourth with Thomas Giroux of Oakland, both sitting at negative two. Cole Quarter tied with six with Oakland's Owen Tucci at negative one. And then Bryce Haney sitting at plus one, tied for 10th with Avery Green of Northern Kentucky, Cole Chrisman of Youngstown State, and Oakland's Yarrow. Ilyenko. And also there are three more. Cleveland State's Jules Blakely, Robert Morris's Alex Selig, and Purdue Fort Wayne's Brett Seward. So there you go. And who says I don't talk about golf on this podcast? I do, because again, it's not something we really cover much. But let's head off the green to talk about a different kind of green. We're talking baseball now, as we'll start off with the Dayton Dragons, high A affiliate in the Midwest League. And oh boy, if you haven't seen the Dragons, go. Go see the Dragons, because this team, as long as the talent stays in town, it's going to put some fear into pitchers. The offense, outstanding so far. The starting pitching has been good. The bullpen has been... Yeah, it's it's been it's been a thing. But all in all, this is a very solid Dayton Dragons team. 11 wins out of 4 losses. They have won all 3 series so far, two 6-game series and one 3-game series. The Dragons start off the year taking 2 of 3 against the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, the Padres High A affiliate. They won opening night and they split the doubleheader on Sunday. 
because of a snow out that Saturday. Yes, I said snow out. I don't want to talk about that any further. Then heading up the road to Lake County, the high A affiliate of the Cleveland Guardians, and taking four out of six there. I tell you, the captains have really had the Dragons numbered past few seasons. But yeah, taking four out of six and James Proctor. He had himself a dandy of a start. I think he had one of the doubleheader games. I think there was like two doubleheaders. Because remember, that Sunday was Easter. So that was pretty nice not to have an Easter Sunday game. And then coming back home, tied for first place with West Michigan. Taking five of six from the Detroit Tigers high A affiliate, the Whitecaps. And let me tell you, that series... Dragons played really well. Pitching was strong in the first part of the series, and then the offense just woke up and took names. Like I said, as long as this talent stays in Dayton, there's a real shot at playoffs, which I know, you know, it's April, and we're not really thinking about playoffs towards August, September. But yeah, I really think this Dragons team is darn good. Really, really good. It's been a lot of fun to watch and work those games. So let's tell you a little bit about the Dayton Dragons as a team. This is a Dragons team in the Midwest League. Currently fifth in OPS, but batting average. Sitting at 10th at 209. Oh, boy. I pump up the offense, and it's the third worst batting average in case you're wondering the best batting averages, it's 271 for Grand, or excuse me, Cedar Rapids. There's too many Rapids in the league. Cedar Rapids at 271, Fort Wayne 270, excuse me, 253. Now I can't do numbers. Grand Rapids, West Michigan 247, Quad Cities 242, Lake County 239, Lansing 238, Peoria 231, Wisconsin 221, South Bend 214, there's Dana 209, Great Lakes 195, Beloit 189. Yeah, uh, about that. Let's look at the runs. Dayton with 69 total runs. That would not be first. That's Fort Wayne scoring 95 runs. Dayton's 69 runs are fifth, though. So it's the fifth most in the league. Behind Fort Wayne's 95, West Michigan's 88, Cedar Rapids 86, Quad City 74, and there's Dayton. Head of 66, Lake County, 65, Lansing, Wisconsin 63, Great Lakes 62, Peoria 59, South Bend 54, Beloit 48. 48 runs and... I believe 15 games. Now let's look at the pitching. We're starting with ERA. Dayton currently second to last with the second highest ERA of 5.21. That is only smaller than Lansing, 6.66. That's a number for ERA and staff pitching, isn't it? Lake County currently has the best ERA in the league at 2.74. Cedar Rapids, 3.33. Fort Wayne, 3.83. And then South Bend, 3.94. So the Cubs' offense isn't there, but the pitching has been okay. So there we go. Uh, No complete games anywhere, which, you know, you come to expect. You're not really going to see a lot of complete games because, remember, this is development baseball. And the last thing you want to do while developing your game to get to the majors is blow out your darn arm because you threw too many pitches. So, yeah, you're likely not going to see that. Unless, I mean, I don't know. 
And of course, when I look for saves, it decides to crash. So thank you. Dayton currently leads the league in saves with seven. Cedar Rapids, five. Wisconsin, five. Seven out of eight. So not a perfect percentage, but hey, out of eight opportunities, there are only, it looks to be only two other teams I've had eight save opportunities. And both of those teams are at the bottom. Great Lakes and Peoria, two saves out of eight opportunities. That's six blown saves. Uh, we like to call that in the trade, not good. Let's look at the walks as Dayton second highest walks given up at 81. This is pitching staff, but strikeouts 151, which would put Dayton in the middle. West Michigan has struck out 166 batters. Least is Lansing with 112. So now, how about we look at the staff of the Dragons? And we're going to look at all the players so far, because we only have one leave, and that was Albert Omora Jr., and he was on a rehab assignment. Albert Omora, well, in his rehab assignment, he was up with the Dragons in Lake County for four games, hit 313, stole one base, did not get caught stealing, and had two RBIs. And 5 of 16 for 4 strikeouts, no walks. So, that's not terrible. Your current Dragons, your leader is second baseman Jose Torres. Let me tell you about Jose Torres and his 3-8 batting average. He's 4 for 4 in stolen bases. He has struck out 8 times and only drawn 2 walks. That's a little bit of a theme this year. In fact, I'm looking the closest that ratio gets to... One walk per strikeout. Justice Thompson, he's been in town for a grand total of two games, three days, and he took one walk, struck out three times. So, yeah, those ratios, eh, a little bit too aggressive on the strikeouts, but there you go. Three home runs for Jose Torres. No, that's not the team lead. With seven RBI, also not the team lead. And two doubles, one triple. The one triple is tied with McGarry, De La Cruz, and Serta with that number. But Jose Torres is dealing in spades on offense. In fact, his on-base percentage, pretty good number, about 36%. And OPS is right around 1.998. That's, that was a OPS. I always forget. On-base plus slugging. And Torres is slugging about 64%. So, yeah, that's a pretty good number. Justice Thompson, I mentioned, just three games in with the Dragons. But 3 of 10, had a walk-off hit Saturday afternoon against West Michigan for, I believe that's his first RBI. He's got two RBIs and one stolen base. Dragons team, that's pretty decent at stealing bases. We'll get to that more in a bit. Alex McGarry, 290 batting average. He leads the team of RBIs and home runs. Five homers, 11 stakes on the grill. However, he has struck out 12 times. The most actually is 18. That is by Ellie De La Cruz and Alan Serta. Speaking of De La Cruz, he's hitting 289. He has three of six on the stolen base department. Eight RBI, three home runs, uh, three doubles, one triple, 13 out of 45. So yeah, De La Cruz is doing some work and pretty solid shortstop. And really, we haven't seen Torres take over at short. It's been De La Cruz at the sixth spot. But hey, the roommates, 
and they're dragons together. So it's a really nice tandem up the middle. I will say that. Garrett Wolforth, he is batting 250. He's been the backup catcher. He's only appeared in five games. Uh, four of 16 with two home runs and five RBI. Matthew Nelson, who's been the main catcher, he's playing 10 games, a 226 batting average. He just picked up his first home run yesterday in the uh, 9-2 win against West Michigan. 9-2? Yeah, 9-2 West Michigan. And then we have Alan Serta batting 216, 3 RBI, 2 home runs, 10-37. Nick Quintana, 205. And then J.B. Martinez, 175. By the way, Quintana came over from the Detroit Tigers in the Tucker Barnhart trade. J.V. Martinez, the artist formerly known as Juan Martinez, he's batting 175, uh, 7 of 40 with a home run and two RBI. Ashton Creel, he was off to a really good start in the first series, but then he's cooled down. He's at 167. Jonathan Willems. He's only played in four games, and I believe he's off the roster. I think they sent him up to Louisville on an emergency assignment. Sometimes when you need players, you'll call him for that. Willems, uh, 167, 2 of 12. Reese Hines, batting 146 of 43. I didn't think his batting average got down low to 140. By the way, his 24 strikeouts, that's the most on the team. Jack Rogers, he finally got his first hit of the year yesterday afternoon. And I tell you, that's definitely a load off his back. Good guy, according to the Dayton Dragons broadcast. He is 1 of 30 for 033. And Quinn Cotton, who's no longer with the team, he got moved up to Chattanooga. He's he was 0 for 11 in Dayton with seven strikeouts. So a lot of the low batting numbers are dragging down the hot spots. Torres, Thompson, McGarry, and De La Cruz up there. But like I said, that offense, when they're clicking together, it's it's dynamite. So Dayton will take to the road again. They have six at Fort Wayne. And then we'll come back home to take on Lake County to open up May. And oh, we got to look at pitching, too, don't we? Yeah, that might help. Like I said, starters have been phenomenal. And the bullpen A lot of it's inflated ERAs where you have a bad outing. There's been a couple that have had a couple bad outings, but altogether, it's not bad. Your lowest ERA is zero, and that's from two starts from Joel Boyle, who has no wins, no losses. This is the Notre Dame kid that could throw a fastball consistently around the 100s. Yes, you heard that correctly. Boyle has struck out 17. No, that's not the most. And has walked five. We're talking starters first. Andrew Abbott. He pitched beautifully yesterday. It was supposed to be his start, but that guy named Luis Castillo came in and had a rehab start. Hope he does well in baseball. I mean, yeah. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Luis Castillo, a rehab assignment. So Abbott came out. He was the glorified closer, if you will. I mean, if... You can't really give a win to rehab pitcher because they're not really going to pitch that long. And the guy that fallen him just. Mm. But going on, Andrew Abbott, solid stuff. Two wins, no losses, a 1.20 ERA. He gave up an inside the park home run. 
uh, yesterday, and I think that was all he gave up. Two starts, three appearances, 15 innings, which is the most. Uh, Just two earned runs against him, 11 hits, one home run against him. That was that inside the Parker. Six walks, 25 punch-outs. That's the most by Dragon Staff. And then we have starting James Proctor. One win, no loss, a three ERA in nine innings, three earned runs, six hits, and with five walks, six strikeouts. So Proctor's done well. His batting average against is phenomenally low at 182 in two starts. He should be towards the beginning of the Fort Wayne series, and I believe Dayton will rock a a six-man rotation because, again, most of the series are six games. There are two more, I believe, that aren't, but hey. Spencer Stockton, he was a starter for a while in Dayton, but this is his third year back. He's coming out of the bullpen. One win and three appearances, a 3.18 ERA. Luis Castillo, he gave up one run in his two and a third, although the guy that followed him uh, threw four balls to let him in. Castillo looked good in his rehab assignment. He'll probably get one more, maybe two. And they were talking about on the Reds broadcast saying, you know, we want to make sure that Castillo is ready to go and not just because the Reds need him, which is pretty smart. Uh, Connor Phillips, you might know him as one of the pieces that came in that trade that sent Jesse Weaker and Eugenio Suarez to Seattle. And yes, you don't have to remind me. I see Winker doing well in Seattle. I still don't know why we got rid of Winker. There's There had to been another piece we could have got rid of to tie in with Suarez. But anyway, Connor Phillips, he was the opening day starter. He was the opening day starter. He's got one win, one loss. He lost the only game against West Michigan. And at that point, West Michigan started to figure out his rhythm. I mean, his, the first game, he really fooled Fort Wayne. He had really nice arsenal of pitches and mixed them in quite well. It was mostly the full counts that did Phillips in that Friday night against West Michigan. But one and one, a 5.14 ERA, three starts in. He's given up eight runs, eight hits, struck out 21, walked 12 in 14 innings. Batting average against a 178, though. So I thought Proctor had the lowest. No, it's Phillips. And I think there might be one more starter. Yes, Evan. No, there's two more. James Marinan, he's been with the Dragons past few years. He's made three starts. He's got one loss, and his ERA is 9.75. The Saturday afternoon game against West Michigan, he started. He he also ran into the same problem that Phillips had, just full counts. And West Michigan was able to, you know, battle off him, but he he grinded through it. He didn't get the win, though, because one of the bullpen guys gave up three runs to tie the game up, and then Dayton had to walk it off with three runs in the bottom of the ninth to win it. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, some of your bullpen arms. Franger Aaron Guren. That's a fun name to say and announce. He has appeared three times. He's yet to give up any type of runs. He has given up six hits. He's walked four, struck out two. So that ratio, eh. And six and a third. However, the big thing is zero runs. Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, I have to correct myself again because Joe Boyle has yet to give off a hit. 
So his average in two starts is zero zero zero. If you can find someone that has a zero 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 average after a while, yeah, let me know because that is worth celebrating. Manuel Cashute, he got his only save in the opening day game against Fort Wayne. He has pitched four and two thirds, one hit allowed against him. His batting average against is 067, which that's good. Three walks, three Ks, and one win for Cashute. Uh, Jake Gilbert, this is his second or third year back in Dayton. He's looked good. His adjustments, you know, big thing. He's a big, tall guy coming out of Army. Army Air, no, Air Force, excuse me. Jacob Herdebees came from Army last year. But Gilbert out of the, you know, one of the military schools, two earned runs, five hits, seven innings. He has walked three, struck out 10. So he's done much better. His average against is 200. That's not too shabby. I mentioned Spencer, Spencer Stockton. Let's go call him Spectre Sponson. That's a great name. Miles Gaiman. He's gotten better as the seasons roll along. Five and two thirds innings, three earned runs, nine hits, struck out eight, walked one. Batting average is a little high against him at 360, but. He has done better. Jake Gazzo was the gentleman after Luis Castillo. He walked the first batter, but that's all he really did. He was able to get his control back. Gazzo, five hit, uh, excuse me, five appearances, a 4.91 ERA, three and two thirds, walking three, striking out four, two earned runs against five hits. His average against is 313, so that's a little high as well. But those are some of the bigger pieces out of the bullpen. Rests have high ERAs. Uh, Donovan Benoit, he has pitched better as the seasons rolled along. Uh, 7.71 ERA. Uh, most of the damage against him came. In fact, I think all the damage against him came in the opening night game against Fort Wayne, where he gave up four runs and just couldn't throw strikes. He walked seven, struck out five. Batting average against a 125. So he is getting better. Nick Hansen, so far three appearances. He has given up six earned runs, nine total on six hits, and three and two-thirds. His ERA is 14.73. Thomas Farr is a starter, but right now he's been hurt, but it doesn't sound like he'll be out long. He lost his only start, a 16.20 ERA. I believe that was up in Lake County. And Jake Stevenson, four appearances. He's got the highest ERA at 24.55. In fact, he was the pitcher responsible for allowing the Whitecaps to tie it up 7-7 on Saturday afternoon. Also, the highest batting average against him, 467. So, he has appeared twice, and he's looked pretty good. The other two times, eh. But that's your total look on stats for the Dragons. Like I mentioned, Fort Wayne on the road next for the Fire Breathers. And then back home to start off May against Lake County. So, yeah, that Fort Wayne series is going to be huge because Tin Caps are pretty good. In fact, I think they are one game back of first. So the Tin Caps have gotten their act together after losing the series at Dayton. And now they take on the Dragons at Parkview Field. Interesting fact about attendance. It's always Dayton and Fort Wayne. Your one-two punches. Tin Caps organization has done a nice job bringing butts and seats in Fort Wayne. But Dayton's done a better job. So, there you go. Not to say that, yeah, we're better. But, no, Fort Wayne's done a remarkable job on that. I mean, the 
team. The minor league franchise has been in town since 1993. The Dragons started in 2000 after moving from Rockford, Illinois. And yeah, I mean, two really strong minor league teams. Two really strong minor league markets even. Fort Wayne's got everything. Dayton used to have everything, but there we go. So that's your look at the Dragons, and I know what you're thinking. We're talking Reds next. Where are you going to go? The basement. How are you going to go lower? With a jackhammer. Now we're at rock bottom. Where are you going to go? Lower than that. Who boy. Yes, I still follow my Reds. They're my team. Doesn't mean I like the ownership, but 11 straight losses and without a lead in 99 innings. Hmm. This is almost like a tale of two towns again, where one team is doing so well and then the other team is not. Which was a few episodes ago where I'm talking, hey, look at all these expectations the Bengals have. And then we look at the Reds like, oh, let's trade all of our players to align payroll and be competitive somehow. No. So, yeah, I've aired my grievances on these deals. I'm not going to repeat it because, no, I already have. But, yeah, I feel bad for the Reds players. They're busting their hump out there. They're trying to make a living. They're trying to, you know, play through all this. But it's just, there's just such a bad, just a bad karma around the team. But then when you're the team president, you're pretty much telling your fans where you're going to go. Be careful what you wish for with new owners. And then doubling down before apologizing on it. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't help. That does not help in the slightest. But let's talk about the Reds. They did snap that long losing streak. They beat St. Louis yesterday 4-1. And Nick Lodolo got his first major league win with Cincinnati. I wasn't sure if, you know, Lodolo was ready. Like I was sure with Hunter Green. But I tell you. Did a phenomenal job yesterday. His first game, yeah, growing pains. I can expect that. And it's almost the flip side of the table for Hunter Green because he struggled against the Cardinals. He bowed as hard as he could, but St. Louis is pretty good still. So, you know, I'm not angry about that. I'm not angry about, you know, a lot of things except, you know, the ownership saying that stuff. And... I still can't believe my tweet got over 400 likes about saying, man, it hurts. And Castellanos wanted to be a red. And of course, the big argument was he opted out of his deal. You do realize that opting out of your deal does not necessarily equal wanting to leave town. If he wanted to leave town, he would have said so. So I'm just saying on that. And then one troll got really nasty with me and decided to... <laughs> Twitterly assault me. So that was fun. But he won the battle in the end because he blocked me. <laughs> Nothing says tough guy on Twitter like blocking someone that you wanted to fight with and say, come down to this intersection, Vine and Court. I'll fight you. It's like, hmm, tough guy, huh? So yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Tell that to your hundred some followers that you bested a professional. So good luck with that. Anyway, 
I said I wasn't going to talk about that, but I sure did. So that's just going to stay on that. Anyway, right now for the Reds, your leading batter is Aramis Garcia. He's had to pick up the slack since Tyler Stevenson was concussed in San Diego by Luke Voigt. The thing I used to like, Luke Voigt. Mm-hmm. 294 batting average. Tyler Stevenson, before his concussion, 267. So your catchers are doing a fair job at the plate. In fact, leading the offense. Alejo Lopez, 263 with Jonathan India's absence, which probably means Lopez will be sent down once Indian is India is back healthy. Naquin back, 250 batting average. JT Riddle, the third baseman, 250 batting average. Jonathan India was hitting 241. Which I, I feel like he's under a microscope because he was the rookie of the year last season. I mean, he's got he's almost got to triple his expectations just for people to say eh, rookie of the year. <laughs> Kyle Farmer two thirty six, Moran two twenty two, Drury two oh six, Fam one sixty seven. A lot of people weren't happy with the fact that what he said was I'm in it for me. Which yeah, that doesn't scream team chemistry there, but. He's betting on himself, so I'm not I'm not wildly angry about that if the team's not wildly angry about that. Nick Senzel, 161. He did come back and look pretty solid against St. Louis on Sunday, I believe. Joey Votto, 151. Fraley, one, Jake Fraley, 129. Mike Moustakas, 129. Aristides Aquino, 053. TJ Frito on seven at-bats, yet to get a hit. Ryan Hendricks, and these are pitchers batting. Mark Colesvary, former Dayton Dragon, 0 for 3. He is the backup catcher now with Stevenson's shelf, but I think Stevenson's able to come back shortly. Or is that India that I'm thinking of? Eh, who cares? But, yeah, averages are down. Hitting is not where it needs to be. But, again, bad aura around the team. So, let's look at the pitching. And we pick all players because we want all Reds players. Right now, your leading strikeout pitchers are Lodola with 19, Mally with 19. Yeah, I know. I stuttered. Sorry. Your leading strikeouters for the Reds, Lodola with 19, Mally with 19, Green with 16, and Dowry Moretta out of the bullpen with 10. And Buck Farmer, the veteran, with 9. Actually saw him with the West Michigan Whitecaps as well. And right now, a little high in the ERA, 4.05, but out of the... Four previous I mentioned, only Dalry Moretta's ERA is lower. So, yeah, looking at these ERAs, ugh, it doesn't look good. Alexis Diaz, however, six innings, yet to give up a run, just four hits and six and a third. That's solid, former Dayton Dragon. Justin Wilson, you might remember him coming over. Is this the former New York Yankee? I think it was. Uh, 245 ERA, one loss in five games and three and two-thirds. Jeff Hoffman, 289. Average against 9.1. He's been pretty solid. Three earned runs and nine and a third in six appearances. Downry Moretta, eight appearances, 3.24 ERA. Buck Farmer, 4.05. Art Warren, 4.15. His only save was yesterday against St. Louis. And actually, there are three saves. Tony Santian and Lucas Sims with saves. Uh, Luis Sessa with a 4.50 ERA in... Six innings, five appearances, and one start. He was the opener and Oh, what was that game? That was San Diego, wasn't it? Yeah, no decision. Hunter Green, one win, two losses. He has two losses? I knew the St. Louis game was a loss, but I didn't remember he lost the other one. 
Anyway, your starters, Vladimir Gutierrez, his ERA is a little high. Seems to be a theme. Three losses, three starts, 5.54 ERA. Nick Lodolo, 5.52 ERA. One win, two losses, and three starts. Have I not really been following the Reds that close? I don't remember Lodolo and Green's second loss. Well, be the first loss. And Lodolo's first win again was yesterday. Malley, one and two and four starts. I do remember his second loss. He pitched well against St. Louis. Problem is, offense couldn't do squat for him. And it's Reaver San San Martin, not San Martin, like I think it says. Two starts, three appearances, two losses, seven eleven ERA and twelve and two thirds. Ryan Hendricks designated for assignment. His ERA was eight ten, five appearances. That might be why. Also, I think he ran out of options too. Lucas Sims, his ERA is at nine. Daniel Duarte, he's now in the sixty day IL, ten point thirteen, and Hunter Strickland eleven point eighty one. Yeah, Strickland's ERA. Ooh, Strickland's ERA. I didn't realize it was that high. But I think most of it came against the Cardinals, didn't it? Yeah. I can I can shout stats at you all, you know, all day, and it wouldn't matter. Right now, it's just this red team is crying for help. And it's a shame because these players deserve the loving Reds fans that I know exist in Cincinnati. No doubt. But the ownership is making it tough. I mean, you see so many people with bags on their heads saying, sell the team, Bob. And apparently someone was in the diamond seats, which are the seats right behind home plate that cost about $2 trillion and five RVs. Apparently, Bob Castellini asked that those fans take off their bag and keep them off or else they get ejected. Yeah. And I, I like to address the whole blind hatred for the ownership no, there's no blind hatred for the ownership. What are you talking about? Do you not see the rest of the Reds fans calling out the ownership? No, it's just me that's doing that right. <laughs> oh, good golly. So what do I think of Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo as rookies? They got to have growing pains. That's part of baseball. They got to have growing pains. The thing is, they're rookies. This is a different level than minor leagues. Duh. But with major leagues, there's so much pressure. And no matter how much training you go through minor leagues, how much mechanics you tweak, how many games you pitch, it doesn't matter. Once you're in the big show, yes, your job remains the same, but it becomes exponentially tougher. So... I really like Hunter Green. I hope he stays in Cincinnati for a long time and not dumped off on a stupid deal. I mean, I liked Hunter Green when he was in Dayton. It's really electrifying. I mean, the crowds. I mean, Dragons draw great crowds game after game after game. But there was always something a little extra with that, with Hunter Green's games. He's a phenom. And the dude definitely deserves his shot, the majors. I also... Like Hunter Green because of the fact that one of his favorite fishing spots is near my hometown in Lewisburg. So yeah, he knows where Preble County is. It's not in Indiana. It's still in Ohio, although it might as well be in Indiana. But no, uh, I mean, I always liked Hunter Green and he always treated the fans well. So I'm definitely happy to see 
Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo get their fair shakes. However, with Luis Castillo coming back, does that mean that we see Lodolo go back to Louisville? I don't know on that. I honestly don't know. Can I also mention the fact that how crazy is it that a few years back, once the Bengals season hits, it's like, well, at least we have the Reds. Now it's flip-flopped? Man, two years ago, in a couple days now, Joe Burrow was drafted. I knew he was going to change the Bengals for good, but I didn't realize how quickly and how, you know, flashy he would do it. Man, I'm glad Burrow's our quarterback, and I hope he stays in Cincinnati forever. And that's after his playing career. I hope he helps out the Bengals, you know, front office. Maybe after Dave Lapham retires, he can fill in. <laughs> I'd actually like to hear that, but I don't know if that'll ever happen. But you know what I mean. As long as Joe Burrow's our quarterback and we keep treating this team well, we keep adding pieces. And yes, I know I'm talking about the Bengals when I'm supposed to be talking about baseball. But again, When's the last time that we had the Bengals and Reds do well? 1990, I guess? I guess it had to be, because 90 was the World Series win, and before this past year, the last playoff win against the Houston Oilers for the Bengals. So I guess that was the last time. But it's always been either the Reds are good, or the Bengals are good. Not both. Again, I want to take you to a scene where Cincinnati has a great Bengals football team, a great Reds baseball team, also the Cyclones hockey hockey team. Cyclones. Cyclones hockey team. Just imagine the sports scene in Cincinnati, especially if SC Cincinnati does turn the corner, which I think they are. And I mean, they held LAFC scoreless after one half and fell yesterday 2-1, to which I know, another loss. A loss is a loss, of course. But the way they've been playing, it's not terrible. I mean, there's more losses in there. Actually, I wasn't going to talk about it, but let's look. I might as well. There's got to be a pick-me-up. Just, I love the Reds, but it's so depressing. You know what I mean? It's just, I know these players are trying, and I I know they are. It's just, just the way it bounces, I guess. And I forgot, it's MLS Soccer. You know, MajorLeagueSoccerSoccer.com. The official site of Major League Soccer Soccer is on MajorLeagueSoccerSoccer.com. Sorry. Let's look at the Eastern standings. I was only going to talk about that. Cincinnati is in last, but 2-5-1, tied with New England. Whoa. Isn't this the same Revolution team that got to the title? Columbus is 2-3-3. What the heck's happening up there? Philadelphia's on top. That's not really a surprise. Atlanta, 3-3-2, and and they just sacked their manager. What? Huh. In the West, it's LAFC, and then Austin, 5-1-2. Soccer gods don't love Ohio. That's all that has to be said. That's all that has to be said. And now I want to talk about something I saw on Twitter. No, not that troll. He's blocked me on Twitter because he's a big man. Now, I want to talk about college baseball, and I know I'm running out of time in my hour uh, for the radio broadcast on WWSU, but when you have a coach in the area that picks up his 100th win, that's outstanding. 
When you have two do it in a season, that's phenomenal. When you have two do it on the same day against cross-team foes, that just blew my face off. So the tweet that I retweeted is from Andre Johnson over at 22 and 45. Great guy. And everywhere with Dayton Sports along with Jack Pohl and Hutch Connerman on Channel 2. Ah, here it is. From Andre 24-7 now. What a day on the diamond. This is on Saturday. Both Jason King at the Dayton Flyers and Alex Sogard at Wright State picked up their 100th win with their programs today. What are the chances? Not good with chances and probabilities and odds, but I have to say, really tiny. Wow. Now, Jason King came over from a Division II program before taking the Dayton Flyers, so he's got over 100 wins. Alex Sogard, on the other hand, he's been an assistant coach with Wright State, pretty sure under Greg Loveletti, pretty sure under Jeff Mercer before taking the job, and I hope I didn't miss a coach in between. I don't think I did. But, hey, 100 wins. And in fact, you know what's even funnier about that tweet and that statistic? If Dayton doesn't knock off Wright State for the first time since March 2009 in baseball, I don't think either get to, well, I think King doesn't get to 100 in the same day as Sogard does because King would have another day to get to 100 and then Sogard would pick up 100, you know, the day before. So, yeah. And I, I tell you, most of the time when Wright State plays Dayton, the Raiders have the Flyers on lockdown. Not this game. Dayton came out and just bullied Wright State. I mean, just bullied them. I mean, the pitching was solid. Wright State only got three runs in the game. It was a 9-3 Dayton decision. And it was definitely a bullpen day because we saw nine pitchers for the Raiders. So, yeah, great win for Coach King. And, I mean, that was 19 straight games that the Raider gang beat the Flyboys. So not only did we see both D1 head coaches in Dayton pick up their 100th win with Wright State and Dayton on the same day, but a few days before that, Jason King beat the Raiders for the first time since Tony Vittorio's team did it in 2009. In fact, I like talking about that where it's Michael Wojtek going for the Raiders and uh, Burmy Mitchum for the Flyers. Flyers scored all five of the runs in the bottom of the first. Raiders, I think, scored all three in the top of the third. And that was kind of it. I was with WWSU at the time as a sports director calling the game. Yeah. I took a picture from that viewpoint, too. It's like some things really don't change, did they? So congrats to both head coach Jason King and head coach Alex Sogard at Dayton and Wright State, respectively. And in case you do want to see these college teams play, yes, there's still time, but you're running out of it. In fact, the Dayton Flyers are back at Dayer Ballpark this upcoming Friday at 7 against Virginia Commonwealth or VCU. I love the fact that the Dragons have always announced it as Virginia Commonwealth, which is correct. That's what the institution's called. But sports-wise, they hate it. VCU hates being called Virginia Commonwealth. It's like, well, that's what you are, so deal with it. It's like one year I said University of Illinois at Chicago. That's what your institution is. It's like, no, don't say it. Say UIC. It's like, no, that's what UIC stands for. 
Anyway, enough about numbers. So Dayton's back at home this weekend against Virginia Commonwealth, and that's a big series. Up until last weekend or the previous weekend, Dayton hadn't won an A-10 series. In fact, UMass coming in, I think they were, what were they, 6-5 and five in the A-10? Dayton just made them look silly. I mean, that was a phenomenal flyboy sweep. And the Raiders are leading the Horizon League. They took the doubleheader against Northern Kentucky. We're supposed to play a doubleheader yesterday against UIC in Chicago for the Raiders' last trip as conference foes against the Flames, which that breaks my heart that's happening, but what are you going to do? So that'll do it for this episode of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. It's been great talking baseball and a little golf mixed in there, too. I thought of a great idea, and I want to run it by you listeners. I thought about making this podcast a community-type podcast. My good friend Brian Reese, he wants to have a community-ran soccer team, Kettering City FC, where, you know, it's kind of like the Green Bay Packers, except, you know, not with... You get the idea. It's like that, in a sense. It's community-ran, it's community ideas, no... No big wigs offering anything type thing. and You get what I'm saying. So how that would work, you all give me money. No. How that would work, seriously, is if there's a team you want covered and I haven't been able to get around to it, you record yourself covering that team, send it to me, I put it on the podcast and give you credit. So pretty much if you think I could do a better job covering... Let's say Cyclones Hockey, for instance. You can record yourself talking about the team and then email me or message me to get that stuff. And I'll put it on the podcast to give you full credit. I'd have it as uh, uh, credit descriptions and type of thing like that. I would need you to have a decent audio setup, not just, you know, something that sounds like it's coming from a tin can tied with a nylon string head over that way. Uh, it would need to be something decent, or if I need to work on it, fine. I, I can do that. I know a little bit about audio editing. So if you're interested in this idea, give me a yay or not a nay at Sunday Pod or the Lee W. Mallon. I check both on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. No. You find me, you let me know, and I might be exposing this idea a little bit more. Have a community-type podcast. I'd still be the main host. No one's getting rid of me for that because I would run it. I would upload the episodes and do everything like that. But if that's something you would be interested in helping me out with, cool. Let's talk terms. By terms, I mean, you know, talk to me about the team you want more covered. And if you send me anything Ohio State, it will get automatically deleted. Again, this isn't wing. This isn't a shrine to that team in Columbus. It is about local sports, not sports an hour away. That would do it for this episode of the Local Sunday Sports Podcast. Talk to you again, probably in May. Thank you for listening to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure to bookmark SundayPod.com, spelled C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D. 
the official website of the podcast. You can find your favorite ways of listening to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. You can also purchase merchandise from Tee Public and Redbubble to help support the podcast. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SindayPod and the host at the Lee W. Mowen. The closing theme is Cosmopolitan from Pecan Pie on Upbeat. This is Lee W. Mowen signing off another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Thank you for your continued listenership and join me on the next episode.